0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your
1: source for everything, Dynasty Fantasy Football. With your host, John Bauer. Looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan Lamagna. Too
2: much dysfunction in Cleveland.
0: And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
1: Welcome back and thank you for joining us for another live episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. As always, I'm joined by Dan Lamagna, and that's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan?
0: Man, I am stoked today, guys. It's a beautiful day outside. I ran my 5K today for pancreatic cancer group, did my charity work, and honored my dad. Then I get to be with you, fine gents, and talk to a special guest here tonight that I'm really pumped about. And let me just tell you, I'm going to segue. I'm going to ramble a little bit, JB. There's two books in life that you have to have, all right? When I was an, when I, when I was an offensive coordinator and coaching, all right, I ran the West Coast offense, and, and, you know, every coach has their own philosophy. And I lived by Bill Walsh's Finding the Winning Edge. And he broke down every piece of an organization, man, from the GM to the management to drafting to scouting to, you know, what you drink in the morning, you name it. So in fantasy football, we all have our strategies and playbooks. And part of my playbook, man, is the fantasy black book. All right. You know, I got the Kindle version here every year since its inception. And, you know, just about a core foundation of strategy. Our guest today, Joey P, is going to tell us all about it. I can't wait. So back to you, JB.
1: (laughs) So, Dan, you said you ran a 5K today. If I ran 5K, you wouldn't be talking to me for a few days because I'd be knocked out of my couch.
0: (laughs) My legs wouldn't be working. So that's what we need, Mitch. We need to run them a little bit to quiet them down.
3: All right.
2: That, that could help. Let's make sure to do that before these I'll, shows. I'll
3: go out for the run with you guys. Let's go. Let's do it. Come on. I would. I, I have
2: something to do that day.
3: I was, maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll pick a rain
1: check. But you already heard them. We're also joined by Mitch Sorensen, that's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? And really quick, at the very end of last show, I was talking about a running team who's like running backs are going way underdrafted right now. And it was the Patriots was the like mystery team that I was talking about everything they've done so far. And I think, Joe, you're a fan of the Patriots, right?
3: I am. Before they won Super Bowls, I, they lost Super Bowls when I was a fan. So
2: I'm not a bandwagon exactly.
3: guy. I was there through the Pete Carroll years, the Parcells years and before. So,
2: Right. And I mean, if you look at the team now, they still have the great defense. They brought nobody in on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Marquise Lee is like the best one they brought in. They went out and drafted two tight ends. They franchised their guard. Everything tells me that running game is going to be really good this year and nobody wants their running backs at all. And with that Sony Michelle injury news that came out this week, I'm willing to go by Sony Michelle everywhere now because everybody's going to be scared to have him because I'm already getting offers for Damian Harris. I mean, give me Sony Michelle at this point. I saw a tweet from somebody that said that you
1: could get a... 2021 first for damien harris and i was like i don't know about that no we're not quite there yet but as dan already mentioned them let, let's get right into it we have a very special guest today and i'm looking out my window it's always weird doing a show during the day you have the lights coming through usually we're like vampires doing our show at night but <laughs> due to some technical difficulties uh earlier in the week and we chalked it up joe we t- uh, chalked it up to the jersey internet connection
3: Right. Yeah, it was a lot of storms that night, I think. So it was a lot of a lot of wacky things going on. So look, we're better now. That's all that matters. Hey, uh,
1: again, we are very appreciative that you were able to reschedule and work your schedule around for us. But, uh, you know, joining us today, the author of the fantasy football black book, and I believe it's number one on Amazon for uh, not just fantasy, but football books in general. (laughs)
3: We it was up. the uh yeah, it was crazy. We we've hit number one in football books last couple Augusts. Like we were ahead of Tom Brady's book, we were ahead of Nick Foles' book, we were ahead of Joe Namus' book last year. For like usually like, August, the hot bet of draft season for like two, maybe even three weeks. Last year was like three weeks, but <clears throat> this year we were like the number one new release in football books ahead of James Conner. And that's never happened. Like that was in June. Like that's that's crazy. So like I, I'm just just absolutely floored and very grateful to all the readers out there, people like Dan, who, who's who been with us from the beginning of this of this saga. So it's uh, it's crazy to think that uh, not just fantasy sports, but number one in football is just, you know, that's just off the charts, man.
1: That's absolutely incredible. And, you know, you have such a great uh, compilation of uh, co-authors and people that contribute to the black yeah. book. And it really is like a who's who. Of fantasy football and you see the people especially on twitter just you know random uh fans uh, you know retweeting it and talking about it and just the the kudos they're throwing your way so it really is a great uh a great piece of information that people should be utilizing whether it's you know dynasty or you know certainly redraft but yeah so today we have joe pisapia that's at joe pisapia 17 on Twitter. So, Joe, besides the fantasy black book, what what have you been doing?
3: You know, quarantine, or has it only been the black book? Oh my gosh, no, (laughs) no, it hasn't. I feel like everybody, you know, I've been very grateful, I've been working more since then. Uh, doing the uh, television now seven days a week for Sports Grid. So, uh, you catch me on there on Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. The two of us are doing that show every day. And I've been hosting Diamond Bets with uh, Matt Stryker, former WWE superstar. So, if you like the baseball, that has been a fun show. We've been doing a baseball show for six months, once a week without baseball. It's been a trip, man. You got to see some of the bits we've done and some of the things we've done. It's very entertaining. We've tried to keep it uh, really fun and informative at the same time. And then I'll be hosting the NFL pregame, hopefully, again. In the fall from the Meadowlands, from the uh, from the live studio we have there at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, and been doing In This Ring, you know, I'm a big wrestling guy, so we've been doing that. And of course, the Black Book podcast as well. And I took on a couple little home projects, because we weren't going out, you know, we had plans, like everybody else had plans. So they canceled the vacation plans, so I said, you know what, guys? I told my daughters, I said, we're going to take this money, we're going to invest it in outside, so got a new fire pit. I repainted the the outside deck area, you know, did all kinds of things, put some furniture together out there. So it's like the staycation house for the next couple of months because God knows we're not going anywhere. So let's have some fun outside. Right. So that, it's busy. that's busy. Awesome. I need a nap. I'm tired already. <laughs> hey, well, after we record
1: here, you know, you, earlier you said that you have the day to yourself. Go nap that's a little crazy. bit.
3: I, you know what, though? I want to. But knowing me, I'll probably end. I'm not running a 5K like Dan today. I'm not doing that. Uh, and I miss running like that's the one thing. Yeah, I'm old now. So like the knees don't hold up very well outside running. So I have to be on the treadmill. So missing the gym has been kind of crappy. Like that's the one thing I'm hoping to reopen in New Jersey eventually. But let me tell you, man, like I it's I'm very lucky to have that team that I have and the support that I have with Black Book too, and getting our editor, Tim Heaney, back. Uh, from XFL, who he had left two weeks before the baseball book was going to press. He, he took a great opportunity with the XFL. And unfortunately, XFL, we all know the story of that, but we got Tim back and that's just added so much to the book. And you mentioned all the different minds and all the different voices. And I want to create a platform for people and realize that, hey, you, know, you don't have to go to the big box fantasy stores like ESPN or CBS as other places. There's some great independent people who have great research, great point of view. And I wanted to make the black book that I always say it's like the Lord of the Rings theory, right? I want one book to rule them all. So if you're playing PPR, Superflex, best ball, high stakes, NFFC, if you're playing whatever dynasty, we've got, you know, a hundred plus rookie profiles and we've got college profiles coming up for the kids next year. We've got a hundred plus IDP profiles. Like we do stuff that I feel like nobody does collectively. There's a lot of generic content. And then you add in relative position value, which is kind of the crux of the black book and I think what you end up with is something that's really unique in the space. And I think that's so hard to do nowadays because there's so much good information, so much good opinion. But what can you give people that's actual strategy and approach? And I think that's why people keep coming back. And that's why people keep having success every year. It's because relative position value is is not just a theory, it's a practice. And I think when you take that, it's not just draft, it's trades, it's everything. It's managing your lineup, it's DFS, it's all, all that stuff. And you know that that complete package, that one book to rule them all has really worked out, I think, for us. You got well, the you gr- already go ahead, Dan.
0: I just want to say Joey Joe has the right formula there. I think we talked a couple episodes ago. We've had some really great guests on here, and we talk about different strategies and different philosophies. And you know, we say to our listeners, you know, it's not necessarily that one strategy is, you know, the ultimate strategy, but just having a plan and something solid gives you a big advantage. Right. And every year, when I get the black book, you know, we've been grinding for dynasty for a few months now, mm-hmm. Mitch JB and I. And then I'm about this point now where I start cheating on those two dynasty connoisseurs over there. And I start looking at some other formats and I've always incorporated your RVP into my rankings, you know? So if you look at the book, Joe's got great rankings tiered. I'm looking at his rankings right now. I take that along with all the film study and everything I did. And then Joe, all those other contributors you have is like a refresher of the other strategies and different formats that you can play in the industry. So the book's really just a great one size fits all give you a solid strategy right. and get you thinking about different formats.
3: And that's the thing. Like we, you know, I got Billy Wasowski who's won hundreds of thousands of dollars in NFFC to, to do that chapter. And, you know, I'm the super flex guru. I like to call my, like, I love super flex. It's a, That's my jam, baby. So like, I always make sure that draft strategy chapter is mine. And we go into like the player pools for all these formats and all these things. And I feel like, you know, everyone's got their rankings, right. And rankings are not enough. Like that's, that's cute. Like that's great. Here's your top 25, your top 100. Yeah, that's awesome. But what does it mean? Like, how do I take that and how do I make it into a strategy? And it's not just about even tiers. Like people do tiers. Okay. Well show me, like quantify the drop-off. And that's what RPV does. Like it quantifies the drop-off between, you know, player X, player Y, where's the fantasy league average. And then where are the negative players too? And understanding how that works, because I think the biggest mistake people make in fantasy across the board is they're trying to fill out positions rather than trying to build roster strength. And that is an ultimate failure that, that you can just chalk up to so many teams of why they fail. They fail because of this. And RPV shows you how to build roster strength and core strength in a roster. And when you could do that consistently, You're going to be more productive when you're more productive consistently. You're going to have better win total potential and so on and so forth. And that's why like it works for every format, every depth. We go through all that. And I think it's necessary because like you said, Dan, like I'm sure, you know, JB and Mitch, like you guys all play different formats. Right. Who plays just one format? Right. Nobody now.
0: Just John. Just
1: John. <laughs> so when we started the show, it was Super Flexology. That was the name of our show. So right. we love yeah. Super Flex. So when I hear 1QB, I'm like, sorry, I, I don't understand that. Are you speaking another language? It's one a waste, QB? What is man. that? It's
2: there, a waste. There,
1: there's a few things that you kind of mentioned there. And I just want to spitball off of it. Everybody and their mother has rankings. Everybody. Yes. But then you talk to them and it's like, okay, fact, my you know, mother
3: has rankings, I think.
1: I would like to see them because they have to be better than Mitch's. Just kidding, Mitch. Just kidding. That's true. that's true. John, don't you get Mitch's to... mom mad again. Behave. No. No, 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 I didn't say Mitch's mom. We're talking about Joe's mom. Over here. Right. Anyway, yeah, my mom's so, got the rankings, dude. So everybody's talking about the rankings and they'll say, like, for example, oh, well, you know, Deshaun Watson, he's going to finish quarterback five. Okay. Well, what do you kind of have slated out for him? Oh, I don't do projections, but I just think he's going to be quarterback five.
3: Yeah, but you know what? Projections Where, are. Where's are... that coming from? And, that, and that's another thing, too, is then you get the people who are on the other end of that window who are so projection heavy and they don't live in the universe. They live in the what if or best case scenario verse. And I hate that. That sucks, too. That's not helpful. So what RPV does, it takes previous season, three year averages when we have it and projections, puts it all together. And then it compares like the first 12. Like, for instance, you know, in a regular 12 team league, you know, the 12 RB1s because RB1 is a position. Running back's not a position. RB1 is a position. You know why? Because it's a roster slot and you have to start thinking of it that way. And then, well, how many flexes do you play? And and how many tight ends is this league? And, and then you have to adapt that strategy and, and super flex especially too. It really answers a lot of the questions of when you can create an advantage of quarterback, how to do that in a draft and going through that. And like I said, it's just every year I like to give more independent voices a platform because... I've been that independent voice. And, you know, although I have worked for some big companies in the past and I work for one now, I'm never going to stop doing black book because black book to me is that's it. It's the voice it, it's necessary. And it's, it's also necessary because I think when you're looking to separate yourself from the herd, not just RPV, but also, you know, how many people out there are listening to the same analysts who have millions of followers and how many Kalen Balaj videos can we watch before we realize that they're wrong sometimes about stuff. And and everyone's wrong. I'm wrong too. And uh, yes, you could get that on tape. I'm wrong too. But I think the best thing you can do as a fantasy analyst is prepare people with really solid information to, like, like Dan just said, to go off and make their own decisions. Like that's the thing. And they care so much, some of these people, in the industry they care more about their ego about being right and wrong than they do about your fantasy team i give a crap about your fantasy team when at the end of the year when i get all these tweets in january about hey i won three of my four leagues and i get all that and it's crazy the tweets that i get and the messages i get are i won five leagues i won three it's nuts you're like this can't be true and then they show you the screenshots and they do that is that is more fun than me winning any of my leagues i'm telling you right now i know it sounds corny because to me that's like my purpose like that's my job my job is to get you the w if i get a w too, i should but i'm also playing against like mike clay and jake Sealy and people like that and it's a little bit harder of a platform to get the w although <clears throat> i am the reigning super flex, flex league champion <clears throat> this year so i'm waiting for that belt to come in when it, next time i'm on the show i'll wear it i promise we're gonna want you to raise it up a little bit absolutely well, i'm gonna wear it on the i'm gonna wear it on the shoulder the whole episode <laughs> yeah that's that's
1: fine <laughs> but you made a good point and it you know it happens a lot in our dynasty leagues and Mitch I'm going to throw it over to you because we talk about this all the time but when people are doing a startup draft they're looking to fill out their starting roster and it's like okay well I need a quarterback or I need a running back wide receiver it's it's april it's may the season you don't have to put a roster together next week so that comes up a lot in our dynasty drafts where people were drafting for need. And Mitch, we always say you have to draft for value and it's no different, I I think, than kind of what Joe's talking about here with the RPV.
2: Yeah, we even see polar opposites to where people are worried about filling the quarterback and running back and all that stuff in a May draft. And then you see the other people who see it's a super flex or a tight end premium. And so they go and get six tight ends or they go and get six quarterbacks, but then you immediately have to go and try to trade for that running back two that you probably could have drafted in the spot over the quarterback in the first place. So I think like what Joe does is he gives you the understanding to where you could go out and build a good team. It's not, Hey, you could build a really good tight end core. It's you go out and you build a good team that could compete. And I like exactly. that a lot. And so we've talked about RPV. We've said it several times already in the show
1: and Joe, I'm going to apologize because my I work in commercial real estate for my day job. And Mm -hmm. my one client, their regional contacts are RVPs. So I know at least once I'm going to mix it up and say RVP, but that's why. But so when we're talking about relative position value, what is that?
3: (laughs) Well, what it is, is quantified rankings. Like I said, what it does is it compares, let's say RB1 or wide receiver two or whatever that grouping of players is. It compares them to each other. So, you know, just how much better a player is than his peers. And when you have that kind of knowledge, not only do you understand how to build RPV value. It's an understanding of, in a superflex. if you have Patrick Mahomes, and then you, you have a, a player who's like a plus 25 over the average QB1, right? Let's just say theoretically, I'm just throwing numbers out there. <clears throat> then if you could draft another low-end QB1, well, he might be a negative as a QB1, but he's a huge positive as a QB2. And what you've done is you've created an advantage, a statistical advantage that will show up more often than not Every week and football is hypersensitive. It's not like baseball where you have seven games a week. Sometimes you've got one game one week to get it right. And that's why it's so crucial that you can do this because if you can roll a roster out there every week, that's going to be typically more productive and you can craft it through the draft and free agency and through trades then all of a sudden you've been able to really raise your level of play. And I think I'll give you for instance, too, you know, when we talk about, oh, Christian McCaffrey was great last year. Well, how great was he? You know, and you could give all the deep metrics and all that stuff, but the deep metrics, they don't really, they don't turn into a draft strategy, right? But I've never seen this number in all the years I'm doing RPV, and I put it in the black book because it was so mind-blowing to me. Christian McCaffrey, over the 12 other running backs in the fantasy league average, so like the guy in the middle at like six seven eight that tier of running backs, he was plus plus sixty-two percent better than the number two. He would then the fantasy league average. The number two was Aaron Jones in PPR last year. He was only a plus nine. So you want to talk about how good McCaffrey was? Now, granted, this is also because Saquon Barkley got hurt. Todd Gurley wasn't Todd Gurley anymore. There was a lot of factors that factor into it. But what it shows you is. The separation of the player pool and how important it was if you had McCaffrey last year and if you didn't, and you could justify dealing several players for him because the advantage was so great. And I think that's the kind of stuff where you you see the board differently, you see the players as percentages, both positive and negative, and you take some of that projectability out. You take some of the other stuff out, and then you factor in all the good information. What kind of offenses they run, you know, what's you know, the trend, the age, all these other things that are just good football practices. And I think when you put them all together, you have like this one system, this one outlook that just completely adaptable, completely applicable. Doesn't matter what style league you're playing in, no how it's 15 teams or eight teams, it doesn't matter. And it just shifts and it changes and you can slide that scale depending on what the rosters are built like too. how many running backs, two, three, one, like what's the format? And there's so many wacky formats and wacky roster setups. And that you go, like you need something like RPV that you can just completely adapt to at all times. And that's why I think if it wasn't useful and it wasn't working, we would never do the sales we do. It's only because the people see it every year. They buy it, they work, they come back. And that is like the great testament to it too and i'm very like i said grateful to everyone who's been a supporter and who takes a chance on it every year for the first time
1: i'm so happy that you said wacky league setups we, we have a question that just popped up from a listener here it's from seth gordon so, Joe, can the black book be leveraged for SFBX? And that's Scott Fishbowl 10. 100% I
3: can. I mean, there's a wacky league with wacky tight end scoring, right? So what you do is you start to build up that scoring, and then you take – and I give you the RPV formula. Like, I'm giving it to you. I'm doing all the work for you, too, <laughs> like for every format. Appreciate I that, Joe. I know. That's what I do. But I don't <laughs> – I don't like – I'm not going to give you the two tight end league RPV. Like, here it is. Go work it out. And, yes, for this – specific format you can see like how you can create advantage with those tight ends and how you can figure out how to make that work and that's the whole point is it's it's for everything and you know that's that's a specific format too it's a very deep format so for people playing that the first time it's a little wacky and I go very boomer bust in that league and I've boomed (laughs) and done very well and gone through a good round of the playoffs two years ago I was right there towards the end and like I think that that week that Melvin Gordon got hurt remember that Every, Gordon was like flying high two years ago, and they got hurt right in the playoffs, and it sunk me in that league. And then last year, I was terrible, right? Again, how many fancy analysts will come on and say, oh, it's was terrible in that league? You know what? It's the truth. They only screenshot the winnings. All right. I hate that crap. Uh, let's be honest here. But that is a boomer bust kind of format because of the depth that you're going into. And you have to kind of understand that, but yeah, absolutely is what you do is you just take the formula, you drop it into a spreadsheet of your own and you just use and and take a look over at the format, the scoring and see who's scoring what, and you see the separation and how you want to build your team. And this year specifically tight end is much better coming into the year than last year. Last year, it was like the three guys and who the hell knows this year. I think there's a really soft middle there with guys like Andrews guys, like Evan Ingram, even the, you know, some of the Jared cooks of the world, like that you could actually find some guys there that are not the big three quote unquote. And I don't even know if the big three is going to be the big three anymore. to tell you the truth too. I think uh, Zach Ertz might be on a little bit of a, you know, statistical decline, at least.
1: It definitely looks like there's some tight ends that are catching up a little bit. Now this next question, Dan, this is something you talked about in our group chat, uh, you know, I think it was last week at this point, but Joe, how do you adjust your rankings and your RPV when new information really starts to come yeah. in and present itself throughout the off season? Because we know, you know, we're sitting here in June, everybody has the rankings, their projections, but then, Oh, Dalvin cook. He's going to, he, he holds out. So we got to adjust everything. So how do you incorporate that into the RPV? Well, yeah, first it,
0: off, Joe, yeah, Joe just so you know this question, this is me. I, I need to get in your head even deeper <laughs> than the average fan. All right. So we want some
3: Intel here. You're going to get into this beautiful bald head there, Dan. How are you going to do? Uh, well, first off, you take them case by case. Um, sometimes we even build them in in the beginning. What we do is we do the RPV cheat sheets. For like, So, like, five bucks, you basically subscribe, and then every couple of weeks, I update them. So, once you subscribe, you buy them one time, automatically you get emailed the updates whenever I do them, whenever I get news. Now, I've been a little slow to do the Dalvin Cook one because – I think Cook is in a unique situation where he doesn't have a lot of leverage. He really doesn't. I knew this was coming. We all knew it was coming. Joe Mixon's next. We know it's happening. It has to happen because these guys need to get paid. The thing is, Dalvin Cook's been hurt every year he's played, and significant injuries too. He also, unfortunately, has a running back behind him that had 100 carries and averaged 4.6 yards last year, and that is capable. (laughs) Okay, That's a guy that can step in and take your job. And Dalvin Cook is better than Madison. There's no doubt about that. So I'm going to wait and not hyperventilate quite yet about Dalvin cook until we get a little bit later, but what I'll be able to do then is I will. So after the book comes out and all that, and uh, I will update the paperback as well. That's another thing because we're Amazon direct to consumer, the paperback version that you buy in July 1st will be different than June 1st. There'll be some slight adjustments in there. Uh, But the RPV in terms of the percentages and the cheat sheets, what happens is like, I'll be able to then pull back those projections or look and say, okay, is he going to miss four to six games? And if so, that's going to drop cook from here at RB one is number four, all the way down to possibly RB two, number two, and where you'd want to understand how that can affect you. Because I think Le'Veon Bell kind of shocked us all a couple of years ago when he held out for an entire season. We don't see that. Usually everybody caves, And then all of a sudden, what happened? Melvin Gordon basically held out for half a season. And now now we're getting to a thing where the guys who hold out now that really can set you back in the first six weeks of a season, because in the NFL, you can't afford to go two and four. That is tough. It's tough to be a playoff team starting out two and four. It happens. But I don't think it's what you want to (laughs) do. So you have to kind of make concessions and, and understand, you know what, Cook might be a great talent but I have to make adjustments and make sure that the first six weeks of the season I've got a plan for. And if someone's going to overpay for cook, I have to be able to let that happen and take the other guys that I know are going to produce and produce for me while it's relevant. So I can start to build a little bit of a lead. So all of that gets adjusted over time. And <clears throat> because we're not the, you know, the magazine you buy at the grocery store, which have some great people writing in it. Don't get me wrong. I try to bash that at all. Uh, <clears throat> but it's different because we're so much more adjustable over the next three months. And we're kind of in this preparation with you, which is very cool. It's very interactive.
0: Joe, I'm going to go off script here a little bit and dig even deeper. It's approaching Labor Day. We know weekend. we had a script in the first place, Dan. Gotta- <laughs> 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 You're from New Jersey. I figured that. You know? uh, Brooklyn. I have family I have out there, but Brooklyn, technically. <laughs> even better, even better. But um, it, Let's say we're approaching Labor Day weekend. It's a week before. Joey Peas and his big money... Draft, you know, he's done his study in all offseason. Yeah. How close do you adhere to your rankings? How often do you change them? I want to know what Joey P
3: does with these yeah, rankings, great in those big drafts as we get closer. The best, there's two things you can be in a draft. The best two things you can you can be is prepared and flexible. And sometimes people who prepare super well forget how to be flexible, and that's bad because you have to let the board come to you in a way and react off of it. If you see certain things happening, certain trends happening. You have like, I'll, I'll give you a perfect for instance, right? Last year uh in that super flex flex league draft, it's like, it's me. It's Mike Randall who writes for me. It's Adam Ronis who's part of black book too. It, you know, like, like this is like the best of the, I, I think these guys are like the best. Like if, and I beat Adam in the final and that was like, that's the one guy I never want to see in a league baseball, football, otherwise, because he's so good and he's so prepared and he's so smart. And to like to beat him in a league was like, that was something this year. Like I really enjoyed that. <laughs> you know, it's my friend. I love him dearly, but that meant something. But I had a plan, right? Superflex league. I was again, the ninth pick. I knew exactly who I was going to take. Right. And I took Mahomes. and then I was like, okay, well, let's see what comes back to me. And I was going to always double up on quarterback. That was my plan. Then Deandre Hopkins made it all the way back to me in the turn. I was like, no, no, no. In the second round, there's no way I'm not doing this for better or worse. I'm going to do that. And then. I said, screw it. I got to take Hopkins. That's where the value is, and I'm going to build off that in this half PPR format. And then, ironically enough, quarterbacks lasted, and I got a really good quarterback on the way back on three. So it's that ability to be prepared but flexible that there's times in a draft, in certain draft slots, that you can kind of steer the wheel of the draft a little bit, especially if you're in the first three picks or the last two or three picks. But really, in the middle especially, you have to be super adaptable to what's going on and understand where the drop-offs and that's why rpv is so important right because you're like well why am i going to reach for this guy now who doesn't move the needle at all who's not a positive rpv player at rb1 when i can be taking this other guy who's really good at wide receiver one and then build my team that way and i'll figure it out later on and i'll take shots and get bonus guys and figure it out but that's the whole point it's being prepared and being flexible
1: And being flexible, I mean, that is something that cannot be preached enough. And Mitch, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. How many times do we see, and you see it on Twitter and our group chats, wherever, and people will say, oh, I have a startup next week. I have like the, you know, Joe, you said you were the ninth pick in that draft that you talked about, but they might say, I'm the ninth pick. Should I go quarterback, running back, wide receiver first, and then try to get running back? Like, trying to prepare multiple rounds out when it's like a week before your draft, yeah. you can't do that. Mitch, we've talked well, about
3: like drafts. Like you see published or like, I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Like that's fun to see, but we do four rounds in the black book because we like Nate Hamilton helps me with that. We do that. We do all those four drafts together. The two of us sit on the, Uh, a live stream call together and we work this out for like two hours we go and we go team by team together and we kind of put ourselves in that notion we go through all the formats because i think four rounds is the most you can look at because adp to a certain extent will dictate that and then on top of that you can also focus on roster core building and that is what is paramount in the first four rounds if you do that right then the rest is gravy the rest is all that research and preparation that you did correct and then rest all flows off of that. And that's the whole point, man. Like that's that's why it's it's so good to hyper-focus on what you can do in the first couple rounds. And then everybody's going to have their guys, quote unquote, after that. Uh, auction's a little different. I love auction. Don't get me wrong. That's my favorite. You know, give me all of us starting on the same plane. That's where I want to be. Everybody can get whatever player they want if they want to pay for. It. And that to me is the ultimate challenge. And I love it. I don't get why people don't do more of it. It's the most American thing you could possibly ask people to do. And everybody says, oh, I love my fantasy football draft. Well, here's an extra hour of it. Like, well, what are you going to say no to that for? (laughs) Like, it's great. Just do an auction. But that's a story for another show, I guess. Well, you could be, John. He did do
0: auction recently. He didn't spend anything. So I don't know. Is that the
1: case, John? (laughs) No, I did. I I actually have a pretty strong core. I would say I go about 12, 13. I have a, a deep but then after that, like, it's almost like I, I got bored with it because the players gone off the board and I haven't really nominated people. I've been busy, but with auctions, I don't know, Joe, th- this glad. is kind of sidetracking. Well, but... the slow
3: auction and the live auction are not the same. Oh, you know? right, right, right. But so I'm so, doing a
1: slow yeah. auction yeah. and it's crazy because when you look at a, a typical snake draft, you have a general idea in those first four rounds. Okay you know, Devonte Adams, he's going to go in this range. Well, in this one, I went back and I looked at all the prices that players went for, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he would have been the equivalent of 310 based right. on pure price. And it was just so crazy and kind of eye-opening to go back and look at it. But then it kind of it upset me because I was I didn't take him. And I was like, I could have had Hopkins for that, exactly. but instead and I'm getting Joe Schmoe. Right, exactly. 75% of the price.
3: Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, don't be afraid to be aggressive early. You don't want to go crazy. And to the sense where it gets out of control, where it's going to prohibit you from making a roster, but what you never want to have happens, what you're just describing, which is when you look back and you go, ah, crap, I missed out on that. Like mm-hmm. it, you'll figure it out. Uh, you'll figure it out later. You'll find savings because you're not going to be the only one who overspends by a few dollars on a player. You don't want to spend by, overspend by $20 on a player or, or $10. That's a lot depending on the player. But again, let's go back to what Black Book does, right? RPV, when you look at the RPV of a player and you look at Christian McCaffrey, you could justify overspending because of what kind of... You could justify Saquon Barkley overspend. You could justify uh, Julio Jones overspend because you know what you're getting and the consistency of what you're getting and how much of an advantage you're buying. Whereas the worst thing you could do is overspend on a player who doesn't have a positive RPV. You do that, those guys who are in the negative... At wide receiver one or RB one, like why are you overspending on them? All you're doing is keeping pace at best, and it basically just kind of—I'm sure Dan will tell you this too—it kind of reconfigures your brain of how you approach that, right?
0: Without a doubt, it, I'm just looking at your rankings now, and you know, if, I'm thinking if you're in the you know late first round pick, early second, you're there in the fishbowl, and you're you, you know you're attracted by the DJ Moores or certain receivers, but then you look at the value you could get in Kelsey and the difference between a Kelsey and a Darren Waller and RVP what an advantage you could gain just by following this book and taking those advantages throughout the draft.
1: Mitch, these early Saturday shows, they're rough for you. you you're <laughs> tired, you're a little quieter. Yeah, little,
2: little. it's, you know, over here in Utah, it's only 11 o'clock still. I'm not even awake yet. But, you know, we brought up the ADP, and here's something that I think a lot of people don't know when they go into the ADP. If you're drafting on my fantasy league right now, mm-hmm. um, the rookies are included the rookie drafts are included in that overall ADP for startups. So all the rookies are higher than they're supposed to be. There's other dynasty sites that only use mock ADP, which doesn't really do you a lot because there's no money on the line. People can do whatever they want there. And then there's other leagues where they're doing their ADP based off two points for the tight end. So all the tight ends are going to be a lot higher. So if you're just going off ADP and you're not losing, using something like RPV for value, if you're not using it exactly that ADP for that specific setting, it's never going to work in the first place. So I we'll absolutely hate drafting off ADP because most of the time you don't even know where they're getting that ADP no. from. And Especially site-to-site,
3: re- site, like all the projections and mm-hmm. thing, like, it's so weird site-to-site, site, which is, and to the, to the inverse of what Mitch is talking about too, or to add on to it even, what you can do is you can basically find loopholes in their ADP as a terms to where the value is on certain players. Like you know, it's just it's just the nature of the beast that in your casual fantasy football leagues, people will be a certain slave to what the board looks like in front of them. And as the draft goes on, you could see huge value potentially in the fifth, sixth, seventh round and on when players are kind of buried on those sites improperly. Meanwhile, they have great statistical advantage opportunity in 2020, like the Deontay Johnson's and Debo Samuels of the world and guys like that. Mm-hmm. Gotta cherry pick those guys out. Cortland Sutton's another one. Like last year, I had every wide receiving core I had was this. Is, this is the trio almost every single team. I'd say 75% no joke. It was Chris Godwin, it was Cooper Cup, and it was Cortland Sutton. Those three guys together. And the reason was. I was like, I get my running backs early. Typically, I want my number one guys who don't share carries, who don't share touchdowns, who keep everything for themselves, like only children. And then on top of that, I want to go and I want to find these guys who I think can pretend or at least produce like number ones on certain occasions. And they're going to have good volume potential and all the other stuff. And all three of those guys did. And that strategy, because that's what the player pool looked like in 2020. And so many of those guys were suppressed in ADP on fan tracks on ESPN or whatever it is just across the board. That's how, that's how I approached the draft and it turned out very successfully in a lot of leagues for me.
1: Just how you mentioned finding the loopholes and the advantages by people that are buried in ADP. One thing that we talk about, because obviously dynasty theory, we talk a lot about dynasty and, uh, the the trade calculators that are out there. There's some fantastic tools. they're they're great resources. They give you good guidelines. But one thing that we always talk about if we know a league mate uses a specific trade calculator and we know there's a player that their value on there is just completely out of whack. It's like, okay, I know you use this toll to cut, try to gain an advantage, but I strongly disagree. That's kind of it's similar to where you use ADP from a certain site that you can get an advantage. We kind of use the trade calculator in the same sense.
3: Yeah. Oh, look, anything you can do to, you know, skew the system towards you is good. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of attention. And I, we try to do a lot of it in the book too. it that we kind of do the work for you, like I said. But it's very much, you know, also giving the man a fish, but teaching him how to fish at the same time. And I think that's what we do is we start to retrain your brain a little bit. And it what's funny is you'll get a lot of readers, the black book, who say, you know, I was kind of doing this in my head, but you basically put it out in black and white. To see and and yes so the good players instinctually are doing some of these things we talk about but all of a sudden when you quantify it with hard numbers and hard facts and living in the reality instead of projectability it completely revamps your, your headspace of how you want to go and approach football drafts and there's a there's a lot look there are so many great places for content out there there really are and there's plenty of room for all these voices what i'm trying to do is is be a unique voice that is more useful than most like that is my agenda every year how do i make this book better what can i add to it and this year we added 25 more pages and kept it exactly the same price because 2020 has been a bitch (laughs) like it really has and you know what i'm thinking to myself i'm like i can't do this to be like i know we've got more content this year but I'm keeping it the same price. We want it, Joe. Joe, got, what is that price? We have a listener in our still, our chat it's here. It's still fourteen ninety nine. So that's Perfect. that's the prices of, of the book on on paperback, on Kindle or iPad, uh, iTunes. It'll be up earlier this week. Um, coming this week, probably like Tuesday or Thursday, maybe at the latest. Um, and that's like nine ninety nine, and the cheat sheets are like five bucks. But again, you keep getting those every couple of weeks whenever I do an update they just go right to your email and that way you have them for whatever draft. Like I always try to do and make sure I get them out there for people by Friday in case they have weekend drafts. Uh, But you know, it's, it's one of those things, man, where you, you look and say, okay, if I'm making hundreds of dollars of investments in different leagues, what am I doing? Like there's a lot of subscriptions and a lot of stuff like that too, that takes you through the season, but there's a lot of great free content. I know that I do out there on the black book pod and on TV on sports grid that you can get a lot of that content It's what can you do to separate yourself in these three months from everybody else in all these drafts so that you're starting off on the right foot? Because the draft of football is probably more important than any other sport. Like I just compared to baseball, there's so many injuries in baseball and so many back and forth and so many trades and moves and games and streaks up and down. Whereas with the NFL, you have a finite number of weeks here before playoffs come where you can be good.
1: And you say the black book it's fourteen ninety nine and you said you've had people, hey Joe, because of you and the Black Book team, I won three or four leagues, it's paying for itself 10, 20,
3: 30 times. I had a over. kid, this is a true story. I had a kid who um played in some leagues, also, you know, with Black Book reader and listener of my DFS podcast. He won enough money last year. He took a year off from school and was working and doing some other things, but he did enough money playing fantasy and DFS and hit a couple big tournaments and some other things where he took that money, he was able to go back to school the next semester. Like I, I read that oh, and you like almost want to cry when you read that DM, like you can't, you're like, what I do is really not important at the end of the day. And I'm like, you know what? Kind of is <laughs> like, you know what? Like I saw that and, and the kid was like, you know, I did all the things and I put it all in there and now I'm going back to school in the fall and I'm, and I'm moving back and stuff like that. And I want a bunch of money doing this. And I was like, that's tremendous. And I see Seth's question here too, about is it up, upda- uh, we do update the hard copy. Um, so July is going to be different than June. August will be different than July. Again, not a lot because I don't hyper react like a lot of places do, which is also a bad thing. Uh, God, the hyper reactions or overreactions, especially in preseason or forget about it. Uh, but the the cheat sheets will update very frequently. Um, they'll update probably four or five times over the next you know three months. So just keep that in mind if anyone does purchase. I see a couple of questions there in the chat too. Yeah, book's worth every penny of it. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it and I'm not just blowing smoke, Joe. You know, hey, it's I mean, three calls I mean, in a week. Right? <laughs> hey, I'll, t- I'll take every one of them. Every one of them. You know? Joe, but you I,
1: said you had some. You had somebody that made enough money to go back to school. On the other hand, you have people like me pl- through playing DFS. My kids aren't going to be able to go to school. Park, right?
3: <laughs> well, you still got to start listening to me and Chris <laughs> Media at Line Star. Because, uh, well, because it's it's the approach in which people take too, And it's understanding the tournament structure, understanding the cash game structure, understanding, you know, a lot of that. And DFS is, is difficult. And wagering, too. I do the wagering show with Mike Randall from the Action Network. And Craig Mission. and I do a ton of wagering talk during the year, during football season, too, because he's a big wagering person as well. He's in some major contests. And it's about understanding, you know, there's a lot more to it than just your knowledge of football. It's your knowledge of understanding what the lines are telling you and, and how, how to go off of that. And uh, again, this is, this is our sports entertainment to use a wrestling term, you know, fantasy wagering DFS, all of this. It's our, it's our sports entertainment. It's this little drama we create for ourselves every week that plays out and, you know, it's for, for better or worse, but we all want to enjoy that to the, best of our ability and that's by having success so like i said this is this is a model built on success this is a model every year i'm trying to think how do i make last year's book better than this year what can i do what can i how what can i add what can i grow what can i take away and all this stuff and it's as soon as the book comes out i'm like okay now how can we do it better <laughs> and that's, i think that's relentlessness and that's i think why the product response is always so good too
0: and Joe, John and Mitch both need to take as many tips as they can. Because when their wives find out how many <laughs> Dynasty teams they really have, I mean, they need to have, they need to have a winning year.
1: <laughs> they need to have a- so dy- Dynasty, I'm fine. I, I, I did very well. But once I go into DFS, holy, I might as well get a lighter and just
3: burn my money. Seriously. Well, a pre-snap podcast with Chris Media and myself will be back. And Chris is one of the best. I mean, he does a lot of the footballers DFS stuff, Chris uh worked at the athletic until recently too chris and i have worked together for years uh and chris is just he's so bright about all this he's a hockey basketball baseball football guy he knows everything there is and um you know the two of us together working out these things and we approach it very much through game theory more than you know the worst thing i hate about the dfs shows like we'll go position by position and talk about each guy no that's stupid that's there's no reason to talk about every guy what you do is you hyper focus on a couple matchups and a couple guys each week that makes sense and how to build lineups around that. And that's it. And, and we do it in like a half hour <laughs> and like, I want to be able to give it to people. So they got it. They can listen to it. You know, like Dan said, like on on the run, or you could listen to it on your, on your ride home from work or whatever it is. And you feel like, okay, now I could take that, go make some money off that. And look, you're probably not going to retire. You know, you have to realize too, there's people putting hundreds of thousands of dollars in and those things you have to stay away from. And it's, yeah you can be successful in TFS. It takes a lot of work. It takes a little bit of luck, but it takes a better approach than what's out there. And oftentimes what's out there is people trying to make subscription money off of everybody else.
1: (laughs) Dan, Dan, you must be having a field day over there because Joe, every week Dan's sitting there, JB, can we talk about DFS today? Can we talk about the every week? I say, Dan, no, it's dynasty theory. We're not doing DFS, but Joe, you were able to sneak a little bit in there, but no, that's, that's really good, you know, insight. And I love how you talk about, you know, people. All right, let's go through every single player. And it's like you don't really have to do that.
3: No, but- I, I'll tell you what. In dynasty 2, especially this year, is going to be a fascinating year. Dynasty slash redraft with the rookies because with such a bizarre offseason, with less OTA time, less, less less preparation, less people together in these structured formats. I'm really skeptical of how some of these guys are going to react, especially the ones that have another guy with them, whether it be like Swift with carry on, whether it be, you know, uh, Taylor with Mac, etc., etc. I'm less concerned about Edwards, a because I have less confidence <laughs> in David Williams, but you could go back and listen to every show from mine last June. And you can hear the same thing that I was saying then. Uh, but I think when you look at that, you have to be prepared at least for the first six to eight weeks of a season of these guys kind of coming along maybe a little slower and kind of look at it as do I want to overdraft these guys and redraft or do I want to use them as trade targets instead? If I can get them a good value, fine. But take a real hard look at that because if you look at Devin Singletary, you look at Miles Sanders, those were all guys for my money that were being drafted too high, but all guys that I tried to acquire and did acquire many shares of both of those guys specifically in the second half, When they started to get the confidence, when they started to get the playbook, when they started to get the coach's confidence, and when they get all that, all of a sudden those guys started to absolutely roll. So just be wary of those rookies this year and just have a plan and be careful about overdrafting some of them because I think all these scenarios are a little janky this year considering where we're at with the whole COVID scenario.
1: I like that you brought up a few of the rookies there, and whether it's a rookie or veteran based on RPV and everything that you found you know putting together the black book mm-hmm. who are a few players that you think could see a real spike in dynasty value here in 2020 uh, so I comparing Drake their Drake value
3: man. today what was that uh Kenyon Drake comes to mind right away now I've been uh, a guy Mitch with, Mitch yeah. I just had a tweet there. about you him that week <laughs> well here's the thing like I've been on the Kenyon Drake wagon here for years now and I've taken a ton of abuse uh, mostly by the hands of Adam Gase over the year, so I can I can blame him. <laughs> uh, but I just it was frustrating because you'd see it and you go, "What's your problem, man? Like, why can't you give this guy the damn ball and just stop?" And then he goes to an offense in Arizona, which produced a lot of RB one weeks, a ton. Uh, even with guys who like David Johnson, whose back is barely even there at this point, like some th- Chase Edmonds had some RB one weeks. It was nuts. And then what do you see when Drake gets there? He rattles off like I think he's RB5 from week nine on or something crazy like that. So that's a guy who doesn't have as much tread on the tires as some other ones. This dropped himself in a situation with a good young quarterback. They just added a number one wide receiver. They have other offensive weapons out there to spread the field. He's in a great position to be going upward uh, in that sense. Um, I'll try to think about, I think Deontay Johnson's an interesting one too. I think his value goes up now that Roethlisberger's back because that's a dude that Somebody's going to catch the ball in that offense, and if Juju moves back to the slot like they're saying he's going to, I think Deontay Johnson showed with some awful, awful quarterback play last year. If you could put up 600 yards receiving and half a dozen touchdowns with that cluster, then I think when you get Roethlisberger back, that's a really good scenario where I would be buying a lot of shares of him too. Because I think with Dynasty, I always look for like a two to three year window. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I want to win a two to three year window. One thing I always get next year is new rookies. The one thing I don't always get next year is good proven NFL talent. Get the proven NFL talent. Build your team off those guys in a two- to three-year window then take the shots on some other dudes because, you know what, rookies sometimes – like Melvin Gordon is a perfect example, right? His rookie year was no good. A lot of people wrote him off. Everybody loved him. Bad rookie year. Wrote him off. Next thing you know, he becomes a very consistent running back for the next three after that. Like you can't – you know, you got to have patience and you got to make sure you've built a world – where the rookies can kind of grow into your team structure and dynasty. And, and we are possibly, I think, you know, we've really geared it to like Scott Bogman, who is a college football genius does all the dynasty work in the black book and his write-ups on all the rookies. We have undrafted free agent write-ups. We have stuff, like I said, that nobody else is doing because there's a, there's a need for it in the space for, folks who like this show and who listen and, and guys like you are playing these kind of leagues you need to know these names and at least have an understanding of where they're going to fit into a lot of these teams
1: you talk about Kenyon Drake and Mitch he he was ready to flip out of his Come chair. on, Mitch Let's he, do it. he 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 talked about him last week and I, I there was at least one tweet i saw from Mitch this week about Kenyon Drake
2: but it was, as soon as he gets a contract ex- extension and i think it's going to happen this offseason his value is going to shoot Right up. Instead of being the RB15 now, he'll be the RB10. And that could be immediate value adjustment you could see within the next month or two, even before they play a game. And there's not a lot of other running backs who have that, barring an injury happening.
3: Well, he's number 11 in uh, in our world. <laughs> right. So.
1: There you go. So enough far off. And, and Mitch, we've we're been going on, through our, in our projections. Mitch, we've been going through our projections. And I, th- as of now, Kenyon Drake, the way we have it lined up, it looks pretty good for 2020.
2: We do like Kenyon Drake, without a doubt. <laughs> and early too, but, yeah.
1: But let me let me point out, it isn't, okay, like I said earlier, Kenyon Drake, running back six, that's where we feel he goes. Everything was based on, you know, the, the different inputs, and that's what spit out. It wasn't just an arbitrary dart throw. Oh, yeah, Kenyon Drake, running back six or wherever we have him. But, um, yeah, Kenyon Drake, Deontay Johnson. Uh, we have a comment in the chat, DJ Moore I, I think his hey, value is pretty most, high as
3: is. His, his value is high as is. The problem is, what is that offense with Teddy Bridgewater? We don't know yet. See, mm-hmm. I, I have a pretty good understanding what the offense is with Kyler Murray after year one. And that was only year one. So we're, we're talking about it's already in a good place to build off of. Whereas Bridgewater, I'm not sure. I know he had some good moments there, but he always had limitations uh DJ Moore was actually Matt Franciskovich, who used to work for nfl.com uh, was a great writer for them who's now one of the heads of the content at EA Sports for Madden uh writes for us and he usually the last couple of years he did some of the wide receivers and DJ Moore was a guy he was all over uh just the glowing write-ups we talked. There was a couple I think it was him and Coral Sutton. There was a third guy. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was like a grouping. He grouped them together. He's like, look, just get these guys on your team. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We got to do it. Just figure out a way to do it. And I love DJ more, but you do have to say, okay, what's the conversion rate for touchdowns? It's nice. They brought in Robbie Anderson, but the problem is like, I don't think, I don't know if he's a deep threat because Bridgewater has to prove he could throw the ball downfield enough to, to make him that threat. It's good. Theoretically, I do think the Panthers will be behind. They have a very young defense, uh, which is good in a way because they kind of refreshed it losing Keekly. I think they drafted what, like six or seven guys on the defensive side, all of their picks this year in the draft mm-hmm. were on defense. So if you are talking about that, yeah, maybe you got younger and faster, but you're also greener. And I think that's something they're going to get exposed sometimes. And Carolina could have a, you know, a kind of a, a tough transition year here and McCaffrey's still the guy. I love DJ Moore. But DJ Moore is another guy that I always liked in DFS because he's undervalued and he's very consistent. So that's, that's again, trying to also in the player profiles in the Black Book, when you read them, we'll say things like, you know, this guy's really a better standard wide receiver. This guy is, as a guy, you know what? I don't know if you want to own him all year, but if you cherry pick a couple of weeks in DFS, he could be. A, and like, that's important. That's part of a profile of a player. And I don't feel like anybody writes like that except us, where we dig into that hypersensitive and hyper reactive to a player. It terms with like, where is their best spot? Or, you know, some guys don't need it. Like, you know, Saquon's good. <laughs> like, you right, know, it right, right. Right. doesn't matter. Right. Um, but there's so, some guys like more that you need to be more specific about. Right. Absolutely.
1: And we're even seeing it. Like I said, we're doing our projections and we have things lined up with, you know, for tight ends, it goes out to even two PPR. So it's standard half PPR, PPR, all the way up to two PPR. And you can see the shift between certain players depending on the scoring format. And okay, you might be, you know, tight end or running back six here, but oh, you dropped to 12 in this format, just because of the, the scoring changes right. and how you're going to be utilized. One other question for you, Joe, who's one player positive or negative that really surprised you when going through this year's research. So Mitch and I were going through these projections and we have messaged each other countless times. Wow. Like, you know, we're doing our startups and we never really look at this player. This might be somebody we have to reconsider because this is what our projections are showing. Maybe we're, we were completely wrong on them.
3: Oh uh, yeah. It's a, it's actually a good question. Um, I don't feel you're going to be wrong or not, but one guy that when you start to dig into what happened last year and what could be this year, both positive and negatively, it's the impact of Kareem hunt. And when you see the target volume go down of Nick Chubb <laughs> once Kareem Hunt showed up and you saw how consistent Kareem Hunt was, who barely knew the playbook, who I mean, just kind of came in and was being Kareem Hunt. It's not that I don't like Nick Chubb. It's just you have to now understand how that affects both of their values. And they have a much more capable OC now and head coach in there than Freddie Kitchens. So I think it's it's foolish to think that you know Nick Chubb is going to have quite the same volume that he had last right. year. Now, both guys could go over a thousand yards. But the idea of Nick Chubb leading the league in rushing or having as nearly as many targets, uh, I think you got to bump Kareem Hunt back up. I think you have to bump Nick Chubb down. Um, You know, another guy, too, that like, again, you start to think about what's it look like this year? Like Austin Eckler's numbers were fantastic last year, right? That was with Phillip Rivers. And I know they tried to address the offensive line, but I feel like they did it in quantity over quality. And I'm not sold yet on on often Eckler being this like transcendent PPR running back. I get it. But like, if you ask me, I would rather be hitching my wagon to Derrick Henry still, who is the offense. Yards are yards. Okay. He is the offense. He is going to get the touchdowns. He is going to run amok. Nobody wants to tackle this guy. And I just, I would rather put my money there. Um, In terms of like, you know, just looking at the wide receivers too, to see if I can pull some names that. Start to impact. I think Calvin Ridley's on that right, right on the precipice of that next level. I think that's a guy for me. That when I look at Ridley, I feel like okay, he's a wide receiver too now, and just like last year, that's kind of where Godwin was. I'm going to have a whole lot of Calvin Ridley as maybe my number one quote unquote wide receiver because I think he's ready to take that next step. Hooper's out of the offense. I know they brought in Hayden Hurst. Yes, it's all great to hear wonderful things about him, but Calvin Ridley has shown you in two years how good he can be, and this is year three. And I think Julio's another year older. I think Ridley's ready to make that next jump into that from that high end wide receiver two territory to the number one territory. I think he could do that this year.
1: We're very bullish on Calvin Ridley. And right now, okay. I don't think it's crazy to see him as a this might be a little high, but a top eight wide receiver here in twenty twenty. I
3: think he could finish there. I wouldn't yeah. draft him there because No, 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 no. Crazy. But but you don't have to. You You're also right. don't have no. to. Well, you don't have to, but then you have crazy people who, you know, Clyde Edwards or could end up as number six running back overall. And I've seen some wacky people already, <laughs> you know, taking them at number seven or eight. And I'm like, what are you crazy? Like, why are you, do- why are you ruining? This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. Cause people do stuff like that. And I was like what are you doing? We have a perfectly nice guy who's going to, who's going to, you know, outperform his ADP and a great ROI. And then next thing you do, we completely blow him out of the water. And I hate that. It's the worst.
1: Right. And you talked about Nick Chubb, and I I think the volume's still going to be there from a rushing perspective, but um, once once Kareem Hunt came back last year, his target share dropped to about six percent, and that's not what we want to see from these really high end running Hunt is backs. Really good.
3: Like I know he, he was in that Chief system, and everyone's like, "Oh, the Chief system." Well, wow. look what happened to the Chief system, quote unquote, when he left. All right. Let's just put that out there. Okay? okay, bash Jamie and Williams one more time, and we're I'll giving you bash the bash him. The <laughs> boy, who else do you want to put into this bag of guys that, like, we just – like, enough already. Like Dan, like, Darwin Thompson. <laughs> well, you know what? Thompson has talent, but he's not going to – now that Hilaire's there, I every game I watch at LSU, I used to turn to my cousin who I watched college football with. And I was like, man, this guy's like – reminds me of McCoy like he's maybe not the best talent all around but there's something about him. like he fights for that extra yard he fights for that first down he'll break a tackle like he's that kind of guy and then when he ended up with Andy Reid I remember texting Ronis being all right you gotta check me because are you as excited about this as I am that like he ended up there he's like oh no I'm right there with you I said okay good now I know I'm not crazy and then like two weeks later freaking Sealy is drafted him at numbers number eight in the athletic mock overall and I'm thinking to myself this is why we can't have nice things look what you did you're ruining it for everybody else, him,
1: we've seen him go in several startups, not mocks, actual dynasty startups in the first round of super flex leagues. So we're throwing three, four quarterbacks in there and tight end premium. So you're going to K-
3: sign up for all those leagues. I want to be in all of them. <laughs>
1: hey, c- 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 come on <laughs> over. That's fine. We would love to take part in a league with you. Um, You know, Joe, again, changing your schedule around with the that poor Jersey internet connection out there. You know, again, we really appreciate and had an absolute blast. As if our listeners don't know, let them know where to find you on social media. Let them know more about the Black Book. What other things you're working on throughout the off season?
3: Well, first off, thanks again for having me and, and reworking around the schedule here with me. I don't know what was going on that night, but this is the world we live in now. Technical difficulties sometimes, and some of these streaming services are not great. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at Joe is 17 you can uh, also follow us on uh, Instagram at fantasy black book. And of course the uh, fantasy black book is out there on Amazon on the paperback version. Uh, you can also get the uh, Kindle version as well. And it will be on iTunes in probably another couple of weeks. But if you don't want to wait, you can get that Kindle for iPad app and just use that. So it's like practically the same thing anyway. And of course on sports grid all over there. So sports grids on Zumo, and Pluto and uh, on Roku services now. So a lot of streaming TV and I host a bunch of shows there, plus the Black Book Pod, plus In This Ring. Look, it's harder to to not find me. You're better off trying to just not <laughs> find me because it's much easier. Much easier. Just try to hide from me, <laughs> right? I just hide for me. I'm going to be somewhere on your timeline, bro. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, again, thank you so much for changing your schedule around. This was so much fun, Mitch. We're approaching one o'clock or noon, your time. So maybe you're starting to wake up here, but do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? (laughs)
2: No, I think this is the first episode we've ever done that I didn't drink during it because it was 11. And I'm like, I'm not going to drink at 11, even though I probably it's would
1: noon still be. If it didn't so, now, so
2: Yeah, as soon as we end, I'm going to go crack one open and make up for it.
1: All right. I, I like that final thought. Dan, what about you?
0: Just great to finally connect with you, Joe, here. And, uh, you know, as close to the person, I guess, in this virtual world, that's normal. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Love your work. And, you know, for all our listeners out
3: there, get yourself a black
0: book. Expand your strategy. Learn something new this offseason. You won't be sorry. Joe, appreciate you, man.
3: Oh, appreciate it, guys. Like I said, so much fun. And love. I love This is what it's about, man. All of us getting in a room together, talking football. This is what I love to do. And it's It's great to do it with people like you guys who really know what you're talking about too. So it's uh, it's awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, we'll come back and uh, talk more this summer. Say when, and hopefully, the internet will be working again. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds
1: good. We love that. You made it very clear about how you feel about Damien Williams. I think this was a big mistake to have you on in the first place. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: But again, Joe, thank you so much for for joining us today, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff and make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel dynasty theory stay safe be kind to each other and have a great day